Welcome to The Dispatch, the official podcast of the Battle of Franklin Trust. In this episode, we're going to be talking about some of our favorite books, but I just wanted to start it off with a great joke I heard this morning. Um, I'm a big fan of the last podcast on the left. David, I know you're familiar with them. I have heard of them. David's actually here. David is actually here. I'm alive. I'm here. He's alive. here. So, this is a joke from Ben Kissel, who is one of the hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left, which are a occult, true crime podcast. Very different than what we do. Yeah. Massively. Yes. Vastly different. But this is a great fashion. joke, and I just wanted to tell you, because I wanted everyone to know it, and I'm not stealing it. This is Ben Kissel's joke. Don't mess it up now, because you're going to. Up. The I'm pressure's on. To. And now these go. people don't have to listen to Last Podcast on the Left to hear this joke, so I guess it's a ratings boost for us. You're right. What kind of milk... Does a mythic cow produce? I got nothing. Indian milk? I don't know. I just... He's keeping it with a theme. Yeah. Legendary. Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> Joseph has the look of death. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> that, was, that was me cackling in the car when I heard that joke. Because I, I, I have to share this. It I'm is so disappointed great. with you. I thought it was going to be something relevant, something topical. <laughs> No. So anyways, let's talk about our favorite books so that we can try and forget this god-awful disaster of a joke. David, did you even laugh a little bit? No. 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 I'm still laughing. I'm still He's laughing. the only one. I'm just sitting here thinking, like, I think, you know, maybe if you're a fan of uh, How I Met Your Mother, that was going to be a funny one. I don't even like How I Met Your Mother. Oh. Well, well, I guess I should. I don't want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Alright, let's get into books. Yeah. Let's so, get into books. So we thought, you know, we've done a really a popular YouTube video, which is Eric and, well, of course, well, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> never mind. We're not even going to talk about the YouTube video because I'm just going to get judged for recommending another one of them. But we've done a YouTube video about, like, really great Civil War books that mm-hmm. you should check out and maybe read. So we thought that maybe, like, a podcast follow-up to that might be fun. And given that Eric and I had a vastly different list, but I think the three of us... Mm-hmm. None of us have the same titles, I don't think. Don't. No, no. And uh, nope. I, I mean, <clears throat> I'll sound like the giant nerds. Like, I went with things that you kind of expected from me. One military book, one kind of great history book, and then the other one is about memory. memory. Yeah. yeah. We can all say it together now. One, two, three. Memory. memory. Yeah, there we go. Uh, but I thought, you know, it's a it's a cool discussion because what, what people will do when they listen to this is maybe they'll... They'll hear something. They'll get interested. Maybe sure. they'll, they'll pick up our books. And I think every book except for one of mine is available. No, actually, only one of mine is available. Sorry. But I can I'm, change that. This one's hard to get, though. Mm. I mean, we're, we're, two out of three. One of these books. I'm not going to say which one. The book about a certain campaign is harder to get than, than the others. Thank you for leaving them in suspense. If you don't like the suspense, just hit forward like three times. It'll jump you. It'll probably come up. So, who? I guess... Uh, I hate going first. Alright, I'll go first. Right. I'll go first. <laughs> Leave so, it to the director of guest engagement to get out there and engage. In the first episode that I was on, I mentioned that I was a fan of death metal. Joseph played Tomb Mold, so I'm hoping we can get some death metal going right now. I don't know what band. How about Cannibal Corpse? Let's just Absolutely. throw some of Cannibal Corpse on there. So, this first book is by Drew Gilpin Faust. It is This Republic of Suffering, Classic. which is Death and the American Civil War. So, it's about as bleak as you can get, um, which is one of my favorite things. I picked this up in college mm-hmm. in my first 
Civil War class that I did, and I absolutely fell in love with this book. And I think this is the one that kind of sparked my real passion for the Civil War. I guess timeline-wise, like you and I must have been in school around the same time because that was also one of the reading, yeah, like, the I'm, books for my reading course yeah, for Civil War. Too. I think I'm the old man in this situation, unfortunately. I, you're like two. You're 31. Yeah, I'm going to be 31. Yeah, I'm going to be 30. You're going to be 29. 28. 28. I'm the baby. You're the baby. Wow. Oh. Yeah. Uh, That's fine. Did you read this book in college? No. No. Okay. See, so it probably <clears throat> predated him. Yeah. Like, well, I think it like, came out in 2008, but I don't know when it became part of college curriculum. I don't know. Because, like, I, I, I know for a fact, like, I read that one, and actually, mm-hmm. surprisingly, one of your other books in your list. Oh, I read wonder. both of those yeah. when I was in school. So, yeah. like, I, I've read it. It's a great book. Yeah. And it gives you insight to, like, how how the country had to really reel with this much death and destruction. In four years' time. Like, yeah, it's just an astronomical amount. And I actually just sent a copy of this to one of my friends, Pat, who was trying to read more this year. And I was mm-hmm. like, hey, do you read much history? He's like, nope, don't know anything about the Civil War besides it happened. So I sent him <laughs> this book. This is the best. This is a good place to start. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, about it is, like, I've recommended it to the people because, you know, we'll talk about this, I'm sure, in a later podcast. But there are people that walk around, they come to us at sites and they say, well, you know, we're, we're getting ready for another civil war. It's like, I have some recommended reading for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. How about yeah. this? Do you want to live this every single day? Yeah. 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 I, you know, that's something I've gotten more and more into on my own tours is just talking about the overall level of trauma that we're still uncovering from the war. Yeah. Because, I mean, let's face it, mental health is... Criminally understudied as yeah. well. So it's just great so book much. on mental health in the Civil War is Invisible Wounds. Yeah, yeah. that's a great. It book. is a great book. Yeah, and I think this Republic of Suffering kind of touches a little bit on that. Yeah, but like for a period where divorce rates go up, suicide rates go up, drug addiction, alcoholism, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. stuff just skyrockets through the roof. For nobody to put like the tie in, like, oh hey, maybe the Civil War had something to do with that. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, and until you start to see the, uh, there's a great book about the Vietnam War that talks about. Uh, PTSD, and that's kind of been the Absolutely. basis for mm-hmm. all of the expanded studies, like the 19th century people. And that's exactly the same thing. It's like, again, the study of mental health and the destigmatization of it really kind of is tied into everything that happened in the yeah. 60s and 70s as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's absolutely, uh, it's all interconnected. As I was So well, I think our conclusion here is good first pick. Let's see what your second round draft pick is. Or do we want to do like this, where like we'll we see. each do our first and then we swing back around for our seconds and our thirds? Well, you know, I'll be honest. I think I copped out. I only did two. You guys got three. Well, and Joseph actually has like six. Yes, yeah, true. Granted, can, one of my books is as big as two of yours, but still, it's I can, not. I can the same. donate three of my six. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll just spitball. I can just spitball one off the top of my head if you want. Look at that. He's just going to make it up on the air. That's there we go. Fantastic. So, are we going to do? Uh, is this like a draft where we each do one? Or are we I just think that could work. Them? Like a little nice little round robin style right, thing. Cool. Going right. Okay. Uh, cool. So, do you want to go? I'll, I'll go. Oh, yeah, we cool. can, we can go. save you for last if you want. Uh, so best for last. Yeah. So again, I'll I'll, mm-hmm. I'll say that I, I kind of. And I fully admit this, I kind of copped out a little bit just because, well, I went for three of, like, the best books that you probably could get on the war anyways. So I'll go with the one that's not here. I'll just kind of spitball this one. Uh, James, James McPherson's Battle Cry of Freedom. Yeah, okay. I mean, so he that's went kind textbook. Of, yeah, he went that, textbook. But again, that's kind yeah. of the one. If you're looking yeah. for something just yeah. to start... You kind of need yeah, a. You basically overview. have like three of the Oxford histories of the Civil War. Yeah, but again, yeah. I did that because it's 
what you will want to read yeah. just because it gets you such a basic groundwork for everything. I don't know that anybody's as good as McPherson. Like, I think we've got a close second on the table, mm-hmm. but I don't know that anybody is really yeah, as good he as is, McPherson. And I tell people all the time, his word is gold. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. like what he, like he is the Civil War historian. Yeah. yeah. And, he and, wrote that book and then he was just like, I'm just going to write essays now. And yeah. all of his essays are great as well. Absolutely. And and we actually have all three Three of those we, books uh, in stock. Yes. War of the Forge of the Nation, uh, Why the Civil War Still Matters, and then the mm-hmm. Battle Cry of Freedom. Yeah, yep. Yeah. yeah. And I also appreciate, though, McPherson has a tendency to rework some of his stuff if it needs to be reworked. Yeah. He's not mm-hmm. going to be digging his heels in on everything necessarily. Yeah. So that brings up the great question is it McPherson or McPherson? I've always said McPherson. I've always said McPherson. See, I've heard him say that there is no fear in McPherson. Fair enough. But you know what? I also had a teacher back in uh, Freedom Intermediate School who was Mr. McPherson. Same spelling. So I guess we'll just go with it. He was actually it's a great Scottish, book, too. So, I, mean, I, I mean, I can't I can't say enough potato, good things about potato. that book. Yeah, tomato, yeah. tomato. Yeah. But it's like pralines and pralines? No, it's not like that at all. Oh, yeah. It's pralines, David. It is pralines. Yeah. Pralines. Yeah. I'm only saying that because I've been corrected so much by Joseph. Except, you this know, this is what happens when a Southern Californian tries to say a Southern word. It's not even a Southern word. It's just... Joseph Dignity Stevenson. Yeah. Well, <laughs> unlike James McPherson, I'm not willing to change my perspective on those things. Fair enough. Uh, but I think overall, good. I mean, that's a. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of bland. Yeah. I mean, uh, I admit it's a comic, uh, but still, it's, uh, <laughs> way to be vanilla. I don't. Yeah, someone has to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like you went kind of specialized. I went hyper specialized. Yeah, you did. Uh, I mean, I don't know if you guys have talked about our mutual obsession with Star Wars, but yeah, I'm Luke Skywalker. I'll, I'm fine with that. It's uh, a vanilla space hillbilly. I get it. I like yeah. it. I get it. All right. So I don't know how I would rank these. I, I certainly think I'm going to save one for last, but uh, I think the first book I'll go with is Russell Bond's War Like the Thunderbolt. It's a history of the Atlanta campaign. Mm-hmm. And for all the people that study the American Civil War and they study the Atlanta campaign, nobody really recommends this book. They always go towards like Albert Castell's Decision in the West. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a problem with Decision in the West because it's written in such a strange tense, it's impossible to read. Mm-hmm. Like it's written like you're reading it as if it's happening. And now the sun is coming up. No, it's not. It's 8 o'clock at night and I'm reading this book. What? <laughs> but it's written in such a strange way that like you read it for a while and then you start to try and write, and I guess that's my problem is like as a writer, I'm thinking like, oh, how would Albert Castell write this? Oh wait, I should not be writing it the way that Albert Castell writes it because this is <laughs> yeah. this is dreadful. It for so long though has been like the Bible of the Atlantic campaign. Mm-hmm. This is such an underrated book, but it is so much, so much better. Yeah. I um, mean I've I've never even heard of that one, I think, until I met you. So I'm sure it is a deep cut, but again, I'm sure anyone listening to this yeah. podcast, that's exactly what they're looking for. I kind of feel like I'm sitting here like in the 90s like, hey guys, you ever heard of this band called Pearl Jam? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you probably know some of their hits, but have you ever listened to like, their deep cut albums? It feels like it should be like 4 a.m. and I should be a DJ at like a college campus or something. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a college campus, maybe like early 90s, I think past 91, you're yeah. talking about mainstream. Then I'm just normal. Yeah, it's just yeah. like... But, yeah. This is a great book. Um, I think it also gets into a lot of... Like, one of the things that he goes after is the burning of Atlanta. And, I, you know, sitting here at Rupa Villa in this little recording studio, who's sitting right across from me, but John Bellhood and William Tecumseh Sherman, and only one of them is responsible for starting the fires in Atlanta, and it's not William Tecumseh Sherman. Yeah, and, you know, I think 
on that note, there's a lot of misconceptions about Atlanta that really just kind of are more or less people watching Gone with the Wind and not so much them reading the history. Yeah, even if it's yep. even if it's just like the, the, the little centennial edition history of the Atlanta campaign, they talk about Sherman burning down Atlanta. It's like, no, no it, the fires were already going yeah. and it already started. Yeah, give Sherman some credit for the march to the sea. At the same time, he is not the monster that some people would wish him to be. Yeah, yeah. But my recommendation. You know, Atlanta. speaking of monster, I remember I once had a guest tell me that their grandfather had a farm dog named Sherman. So when they kicked it, they wouldn't feel bad about it. Well, that's just dark. That's, yeah. that's just animal abuse. I know. And yeah. I was like, what do I do with this information? I, I, I had a couple of ladies one time who once took the tour and I just happened to say the name of Sherman, not even really talking about him. And they just both physically shuddered mm-hmm. and said, yeah. oh, you said the S word. Oh, somebody, and, somebody told me that I was singing the praise of a war criminal. And I was like, oh. Okay, well, anyways, moving right along to the next room, because I don't know how to engage with this information, and I don't really feel like it. Sir, it is, this is a Wendy's in my mind. <laughs> it is 8.30 in the morning, sir. We haven't oh, even given God. our first story. We're not even open yet. And you're hitting me with all this hostility, so that's my recommendation. All right, you know what? I'm going to continue the storm oh, boy. narrative, the storm names that you said, because you said... What was yours? War like a thunderbolt. War like a thunderbolt. I'm gonna go with fateful lightning. See what I did ah, there? That's, that's See what good. I did that's there? Good. That's good. So this is similar to See, McPherson. This is why Bill's a pretty good writer because he's got that narrative flow thing down. He can turn a phrase. He can turn a phrase. There you go. There you go. But similar to McPherson in uh, Battle Cry, fateful lightning to me is more of a modern. Mm-hmm. version yeah. of that book. Yeah. So I'm not saying that McPherson's dated. This is just this is just a newer look. And Gelzo goes in some different directions. Mm-hmm. Like Gelzo goes into what the typical soldier was going through, what their life looked like. Which is interesting because McPherson wrote a book mm-hmm. yeah. all about why what the individual soldier thought about yep. the war and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's not really like front and center. In mm-hmm. Battlecry, yeah, it is front and center in Faithful Light. Yep, yeah. that that is one of the main criticisms of Battlecry Freedom. Actually, is kind of that broader view. Yeah, some people think it's too broad. Well, mm-hmm. I think you need the broad view to get started. But mm-hmm. maybe maybe what you do is like you read Battlecry Freedom, you wait a year, and then you read yeah Faithful Light. Yeah, and this is one when when a guest asks me what's what's the best introduction to the Civil War. Yeah, I keep both. Battlecry and Fateful Lightning on the shelf because I know different people are going to recommend it. Mm-hmm. And I always go with Fateful Lightning just because yeah. I've read almost all of Galzo's stuff. He's my favorite historian. Um, I don't think I'd ever be able to talk to him about anything outside of the Civil War. I, I mean, just think you emailed are... him and he talked back to you. So maybe I he did. listens to the yeah. podcast. I did. I, yeah, so, yeah. So, which I actually have the email hanging up in my office because I just thought it was really cool. Wow, if he's listening to the podcast, he's going to be a little... Maybe. You've got a fanboy here for sure, Mr. Galzo. Uh, I, I, have, I have. Hey, Joseph, who am I? Who else am I a fanboy of? I mean, the list is actually pretty long. A lot. William Bate, Jacob Cox. Like, Who's in Nashville? George Thomas. Woo! <laughs> I had to work it in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, the counter I, is now up to so three nice. for anyone keeping score at home. Uh, but uh, oh, I, I also like that he does go into reconstruction. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I think is a very important part because I, in, in high school when mm-hmm. you're learning the Civil War, it ends, everything's better. 
Yeah. yeah. The the nation is united. Everybody's friends, and I mean, that is not I think further from the David. Truth. You and I talked about that on our yeah. reconstruction episode of the podcast, where it was. It's like, well, you know, why don't we know much about Reconstruction? Well, we don't know what we don't know, and sometimes we like to keep it there. And the other thing, too, is that, again, if you stop everything right there in April of 1865, there's kind of a big bow on top of everything, right? And there's hope. Yeah, exactly. Hope. Uh, The president's dead. Yeah, but the war is basically ending. Slavery is ending. You You can almost make a case that it was like a martyrdom. Yeah. Almost... And people did this at the yep. time, yeah. almost like Christ. Yep. Yeah. And, well, unfortunately, then the rest of history happens. Mm-hmm. And Which is, I think, the thing that Gelso is really good at, is he goes into things like uh, the, the violent pushback to Reconstruction. He goes into the formation of the Klan. Mm-hmm. He goes yep. into the fights in Tennessee and in Mississippi and Alabama. Uh, he even goes, what, he goes into the 1870s, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Like, he takes it all the way to the end of Reconstruction. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, I, it's all one story. We just have broken it into yeah. a couple or three even stories. Yeah. And I want to do an honorable mention real quick is we have a children's book from the What Was series. Ah, yeah, yeah. And it is What Was Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. And it's like 40 pages. It's for like third to sixth grade. But it is one of the best Reconstruction books I've read. Because it puts it so simply. I mean, I, I mean, guess it's got to be better than Eric Foner. I mean, I mean, the whole of Eric oh, Foner. Oh. Well, you know, we literally just got someone, though, a couple days ago who asked us, how do I explain slavery to my kids? How do I explain some of this to my children? Mm-hmm. This book does a great job of doing it. So I, yeah. I'll back Bill up on that. Yeah. If you're looking for a way to talk about these yeah. complicated What was the Civil War and what was Reconstruction? Those are both yeah. two really good books. And yeah. I'd recommend them, I think, to... Like, yeah, again, they, they are... school kids are pretty good with it. I've like, recommended it to adults, yeah. and some adults are like, yeah. oh, this is... This is my caliber. And I'm yeah. like, I get it. I yeah. get it. Again, yeah. it's just, it's one of those things. Don't knock it. Just yeah. check yeah. it out. It's like, again, very short, but to the point, and it's not going to scar anybody. Yeah. So. And it's one of those where you can read that, and then you can carry a conversation about Reconstruction. You can't get lost in the weeds, mm-hmm. but you can know what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So I think we've got two solid picks there from Bill. Yep. All right. So building off of uh, James McPherson, I'm going to go with another, again, kind of... This is an obvious one. He's going to go with another vanilla pick. That's his way to introduce it. Okay, well, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and swerve. No, here. this one is more vanilla bean. Ah. No, so. Nice uh, little flex of vanilla in there. This one's called The Impending Crisis by David M. Potter. Classic. And so good. Yeah, it's an, I mean, it's a Pulitzer winner. So, again, yeah. yeah it's, it's one of those ones that definitely you would see around for a while. But it is, I think, one of the best looks at the lead up to the Civil War, which is criminally understudied. In terms yeah. of overall, oh, American absolutely. Yeah. I I've always, I think I said to you again. People tend to be a little bit knowledgeable on <clears throat> the founding fathers. Then they skip to Jackson. Then they skip to Lincoln. And so yeah. the thirty or so years between Andrew Jackson yeah. and Lincoln, they have no idea about. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you want to know why the Civil War happens the way it does, you got to read Impending Crisis because yeah. that's going to be the best book on that period. I would also throw in for consideration there. What Hath God Wrought, the yeah. David Howe book. Yeah, that is a good one. Like, those two paired together, Impending Crisis and What Hath God Wrought, that'll, that gets you everything. I, I, I do think the size of that book might intimidate yeah. people. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 neither of them are books that, like, I lay down at night to read while I'm in bed. Yeah. You know what, what will happen is I'll be reading and then I'll fall asleep and then I'll wake up and I'll be missing my front teeth because I hit myself in the face with one of them. I've been reading Vietnam. An epic tragedy. Oh yeah, by Max Hastings. Yeah, I've been reading that to go to bed. So yeah. that's uh, 
My fiance looks at me like I am absolutely insane when I'm curled up in so, bed reading that. So but again, back to yours. For those keeping count, now George Thomas is at three, <laughs> Vietnam is at two. We're kind of keeping count of all keeping these all things. The, all the little distractions, the little mm-hmm. rabbit holes that run off here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have ADHD. Do you know how hard it is for me to focus? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I know. I've, listened, I've had to edit the last three episodes of this podcast. I know very well. But I, I guess the, the other little thing I'll say about Impending Crisis is really even less about the book itself and more about what it has meant to, I think, the organization. Yeah. Because I think yeah. all three of us, we've worked with a man named David Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wonderful person. If you come to Ripperville, you'll get a great tour with him. Mm-hmm. And you will leave with that book. Yeah, most yeah. likely. He is going to most definitely recommend this one to you. And again, to give you an idea, he's just one of those very charming southern gentlemen from Mississippi. Mm-hmm. And... Again, it's going to be one of those books that he may even just give it to you yeah. and then expect to see you again because it's going to be bringing you back again and again yeah. here. And he's done that before. He yeah. has on multiple it's, occasions. It's, it is a, it's, I think it's one of the, we hate to use that word definitive, mm-hmm. but I don't know that there is something better to talk about that pre-war mm-hmm. period in such a yeah. and concise And way. especially if you're going into it with a sort of contrary opinion already, yeah. he may make a convert of you. Yeah. This is a good spot for us to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment with more of The Dispatch. New in the Battle of Franklin Trust Bookstore, Freedom's Detective by Charles Lane. In the years following the Civil War, freed African-American men had finally gained the right to vote but former Confederates and white supremacists would do everything to keep them from the polls. Thus, the KKK was born. Enter Hiram C. Whitley. As the controversial new chief of the Secret Service, he led a covert war against the KKK and became the first to use undercover operatives to investigate a violent extremist conspiracy, which today we would call terrorism. But like all spy masters, Whitley had a dark side. His penchant for skullduggery and dirty tricks led him to a conspiracy that would bring an end to his career and transform the Secret Service. Charles Lane is also the author of The Day Freedom Died. To find this book and more, visit store.boft.org. I, okay, so I'm going to toss up as to which one to go with next, but I think I'm going to go with Robert Penn Warren, The Legacy of the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, Bill will tell you that there's nobody that can sell this book quite like I can. I'm not going to attempt to sell it over the waves because now I've got the pressure on it. So yeah, now he's just, got a conscience. Yeah, but you know, you and Emily both sell that book. This is a fantastic it, it's book. It's a very easy book to sell. Yeah, it's only, what, 100 and... It's 109 pages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's 109 pages. I mean, it's just really, really great. Uh, and remind me, Robert Penn Warren also wrote All the King's Men. Yes, he's a poet. Yes, so, so he writes... He was also... Uh, he was part of the... He was part of the Fugitives. Yeah, at Vandy. At Vanderbilt. Yeah. So this is a guy that... Go Commodores. He's born in Kentucky. His grandfather fought in the Confederate Army during the Civil War. He grows up really like steeped in sort of like the, the, the height of the Lost Cause mm-hmm. era. Uh, he's a member of the Fugitives, kind of this like Old South romanticism. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then by 1961, he had written Who Shall Speak for the Negro, a biography of Frederick Douglass and the legacy of the Civil War. And he just kind of comes to like grips with the war and what it means to the country, what it means to himself, what it means to his, like, his family lineage. And so for all the people that would say things like, well, you know, the, 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 the 
books that we won't recommend. Mm-hmm. Uh, like yeah. Slavery was not the cause of the war mm-hmm. between the states book that I showed you guys. Robert E. Lee and, never never owned slaves. Yeah, or um, the uh, the South was right books, mm-hmm. right? Uh, mm-hmm. Warren is kind of this ultimate contrast to that because he explains what the process was like for us as an entire people to figure out how, how to deal with the war. Mm-hmm. He's also writing it in 1961, the height of the civil rights movement. Yeah. So there's, yeah. he's got a bunch of different lenses that he's looking at the war with. I don't think you can go wrong with that book. If you want to know about memory and the development of memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, I said it twice. You did. We, twice, we have so. an entire memory section at, Two out of the three locations. I, just, I don't think Ripavilla has a memory section. There's uh, memory books. So there's a bunch a of memory section. books. They just happen to all be in the same spot. Yeah, I think memory is going to win this podcast. I think that's up to double digits now on that one. But yeah, so we've got <laughs> a certain federal general who happened to be a Virginian that's in Nashville. I see what you did there. Yep, I didn't want to say it. He's got a sledgehammer. He's up to three or four. Is that right? <laughs> and then. Mm-hmm. The M word is up to the <laughs> Yeah. Okay, yeah. I won't say it the rest of the time. Probably. I doubt that. I'll do everything I, I can. Bill, that. what about you? My final pick is one that is, I think, one of the newer of these books. It came out in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, it is by John Madison. It's called A Worse Place Than Hell. And it's how the Battle of Fredericksburg changed a nation. And what I loved about this is he's an English professor. And he loves history. Mm-hmm. So it's much more... It reads like fiction, mm-hmm. but it's not. And okay. it's so easy to follow. And the great thing is he ties this together to multiple different people. So he ties Walt Whitman, John Pelham, Arthur Fuller, and Louisa May Alcott all that's together. A pretty, that's a pretty big yeah. And okay. Abraham Lincoln. And okay. it, it's just... I just love it because there's times where it's just so poetic and I just, yeah, it's a great escape because we spend so much time reading these heavy books and this is a very heavy battle. There's a lot going on. It's a very dynamic situation, but he just, the flashbacks and everything where he just connects it and interweaves Mm -hmm. it. It's just, I, I love it. And it's just so, it was just refreshing to read. It was a different take on Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because he's an English professor and yeah. he's a literature guy and this doesn't read like your typical history book. And you're sure. not getting bogged down in like tactics and minutiae. You're reading yeah. more about like a personal experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think that's what I really liked was the personal aspect where it is, he, he goes into battle detail, but you don't get, the term I like to use is lost in the weeds. Mm-hmm. It's just very, he explains what's happening, but that's about it for the battle. Yeah, you you definitely do have people, and I think it's val- a completely valid way of studying the Civil War, but you do get some people who are entirely focused on tactics. It has to be tactics. Tactics, mm-hmm. tactics, yeah. tactics. <clears throat> Aren't you proud of me? No tactics. No, I, honestly, I, I'm kind of surprised. I, am. Um, I mean, I'm just saying. I, I, I would have expected a little bit, but... Nope. Yeah, not all right. here. Not yeah. this guy. Well done. So, for my third book, we can't get out of here without talking about Abe Lincoln. So... I'm going to go with King Which of Rivals. Which is surprising that... Yeah, for two yeah. of us who are big Lincoln guys, I will say my honorable mention was John Meacham's And There Was Light. I bought okay. it yesterday. Mm. By the way, I took the last one. Yeah, he, yeah. he knows you're going to be yelling at him later, but yeah. he doesn't care. Yeah, so. I, I even said that. I was like, Bill's going to get mad at me for buying this, but I don't care. 
for the man selling. <laughs> for the man that has a shelf full of Lincoln books, did I really need another one? No. Did I really want that one? And you know what's so yes. weird is I read. Uh, honestly, this was another one that I wanted to do, but we can't get it because it's like not in print or something. But the Ronald White Ulysses. That's that's a great. It's book. a great book, American and I read Ulysses. that, and I was like, cool. I don't need to know anything else about Grant. Yeah. And then I read uh, Brett Baer's book on Grant, and I was like, this is a good Spark Notes version. I don't need to read anything else on Grant after I read one book on Grant. But Lincoln's one of those guys where it's like, I don't, I don't care. How, I don't yeah. care how many Lincoln books there are. I'm going to read them. So okay. I'm going to learn something new about him and about how he worked. So that's actually yeah. something that does come back to what we were talking about, though. Because Doris Kearns Goodwin makes a point, similar to what people have said about William Shakespeare, is that he's kind of... A human being for the rest of humanity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We probably will never mm. run out of books on Lincoln purely because you can kind of keep tackling his life and presidency from any number mm-hmm. of angles, just kind of depending on what's important to you. Now, in this particular yeah. case with Team of Rivals, the kind of ingenious thing that Dor- Doris Kearns Goodwin has done is she's kind of looking at Lincoln through the eyes of his opponents. Yes. And it's sort of this look at the genius of Lincoln in the sense that he didn't really have the same experience or structure that some of these guys would have had, like William Seward. But because of that, he kind of had to learn how to do everything himself. And, and he chose to bring them into his cabinet, too, which, which is again, the best part. Which, again, in mm-hmm. this crazy way, because of how diverse all <clears throat> these opponents were now in his cabinet, they weirdly kind of gave him a finger on the pulse of the overall nation. Because yeah. you've had... The radicals like Seward, but then you've got the more conservative voices like Bates. Yeah, and it is going to be kind of interesting how Lincoln is walking that tightrope during his presidency. And you, you really throw your opponents in there when you put a man like Salmon Chase in the cabinet too. Absolutely. So it, it that book is. I know that you've you've judged me for recommending it because it is so big. It's a massive book. Although I'll argue my copy at home is much smaller. But. If you're at all interested in politics, if you're at all interested in trying to figure out what is happening behind the scenes of the war, yeah. the how the sausage, sausage is being made, yeah. you want to read Tim Rice. It's, it's also this great push and shows you what the efforts of the cabinet and what the Lincoln administration looked like pushing mm-hmm. towards the 13th Amendment. Absolutely. Uh, and it picks up essentially right after emancipation. Mm-hmm. It is for the people that run around and say that Abraham Lincoln didn't care about slavery. That's a lie. Yeah, that's a lie. It, it's it. a major lie. It's a lie. It's a lie. And we heard <clears> it. <throat> we heard it yesterday. I heard it this morning on mm-hmm. Twitter from some troll. This is a phenomenal book, David. I know we teased you for going vanilla, but like, I mean, I, I feel like I'm picking three that are kind of great for a reason. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna go with my third. And final pick, and it's one of my favorite authors. Uh, Bruce Catton is near and dear to my heart. For a <laughs> I'm laughing because reasons. we have McPherson, Gelzo, and Catton all yeah. on the table. The three big hitters, the like the jammers. three goats. Yeah. Wow. Somebody will tell us, well, you didn't have Shelby Foot in there. It's like, well, because Shelby Foot's books are. My criticism of Shelby Foot is that he's not an actual historian. He's a narrative writer, so the book is very much written in this narrative style. Mm-hmm. There's no footnotes. It's not academic in that sense. So people, they say, they're like, well, well, Shelby Foote said it in his book. It's like, well, yeah. 
okay, all Margaret Mitchell. I'm, and Margaret Mitchell wrote Gone with the Wind, and that's not true all, either. What all I want? know is that on tour, I think Shelby Foote is the reason why we have to talk about all the things that are not true about John Bell Hood so often. Yeah. I, 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 I think it is probably his... Yeah, him exactly. and the war as a whole, and Forrest is another great mm-hmm. uh, kind of Shelby Foot thing. But I mean, what what's better than watching like an episode of Ken Burns' the Civil War and Ken Burns baseball? And that's true. That is better. Fits baseball. There's a lot of good Ken Burns. Yeah, but you know, this, I don't. I, but I, the Civil War though, and it's it's defined really by two voices. David McCullough narrates mm-hmm. it, and then you listen to. To Shelby Foote with that kind of molassesy syrupy voice mm-hmm. where he's talking about mm-hmm. Nathan Bedford mm-hmm. Forrest and uh, he was a genius and Ulysses S. Grant. And it's amazing. And that was a great impression. If you didn't like it, boo on you. But anyways, here's Bruce Catton. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't I didn't do this for the other two, and I know that we didn't really talk about how we we're going to do this. But I think there's something about there's something about Bruce Catton's writing style. He's a journalist and a historian, and he talks here about this is the second volume of his Army of the Potomac trilogy. I guess it would help if I gave you the name. It's Glory Road. Uh, so this is part two of a three part series. But Catton wrote so much. Biographies of Grant, a, a whole American Heritage series history of the Civil War, which we actually carry in the bookstore. So if you want more Bruce Catton, you can't get this book, but you can get that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so here's here's his description, and I, I just think that it, it is perfect how he, he lays this into line for us. Hang on. I marked the wrong page, apparently. Way to go. You had one job. I know. You could bring your there books, but you couldn't find the page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there we go. Like so many generals of that era, Abner Doubleday felt that his troops going into action needed a word of encouragement. He called out to the men that this spot was the key to the whole battlefield and must be held to the last extremity. The men yelled back, if we can't hold it, where will you find men who can? Or so Doubleday reported later. He had a weakness for touching up things that the soldiers said in action. The 2nd and 7th Wisconsin into line ran into Archer's men head-on, while the 24th Michigan and the 19th Indiana worked around the south and took the Confederate flank. Rifles blazed all around the slope and in the grove, and the Confederates suddenly realized that they were up against the first team. The Iron Brigade could hear the Southerners telling each other, Hear those damn black hat fellers again. Taint no militia. That's the Army of the Potomac. I mean, there's just something visual about it. Mm-hmm. It's written almost kind of like the Bell's letters, where you get you can see it happening in front of you. Catton is a master also, at narrative. Just just to clarify, was that the same Doubleday who created baseball that you were talking about there? So that's a myth, but yes. Okay, just was making sure that was yeah, the same, same person I was thinking. Same guy, about. same fake story about him creating baseball. Yeah, yeah. But that's my third pick. I feel like. I feel like all three of us came up with some solid picks there, though. And they're all kind of... They're different. Yeah. And I think it just shows how different Civil War books are. Yeah. Where it's yeah. not all your boring textbooks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, I think the best thing I can tell you is uh, we've got some really good selections here for you. 
We've these got are some great picks. The majority of these are all on our online store. Yeah. If you go to store.boff.org, you can find the majority of these books. And at checkout, use code DISPATCH for $2 shipping. There you go. Absolutely. And I'll just kind of finish up by saying these books are all as varied as the tour guides here. And I think this helps to show that there's a lot of different ways you can talk about the subject of the Civil War. But they don't have to be op- opposing ideas either. Yeah. I think all of our books actually really complemented each other quite well. Yeah, that was not planned. Yeah. It wasn't. Just goes to show you what happens when you put the dream team together out here, right? Absolutely. Well, all-stars. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to The Dispatch. This has been Tour Guide Talk, and we'll catch you next time.